Today we talk about peer pressure and drinking here on the Northern Lights Pulse podcast. at www.nlpulse.com. There you will find YouTube videos, articles, blog posts, and podcasts about the issues that you are facing on a daily basis. You can also let us know the content that you want to see by going to the Your Input page of the website or by emailing us at info at nlpulse.com. You can find us on social media. We are at nlpulse on Facebook at NL underscore Pulse on Twitter, and at Northern Lights Pulse on Instagram. Welcome to the Northern Lights Pulse podcast. Here at NL Pulse, our mission is to help teens and young adults understand themselves, others, and the world in which they live. We're your hosts, Peter and Rachel, and we are so glad you're joining us today um, because we are talking about a topic, probably the number one topic, at least when we were in high school, um, when it came to SAD and just like kind of communities and young people in general, underage drinking, peer pressure, and just also maybe generally like relationships with alcohol and what that looks like in North Dakota. Yeah, no, I, I think that this is a really good topic for us to talk about. Like, I don't know what the statistics pan out to be in terms of what the issues are nowadays, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of what we're going to talk about today will apply to a lot of the issues that are going on if drinking and underage drinking isn't. Yeah. But the main topic today, at least what we're talking about today is going to apply to what might be the big topics of the day. But but yeah, I I didn't write down any notes for today, um, which is is different for me. I just kind of wanted this one to be a little bit more of a conversation rather than like a listicle that we go through or something that I've written down and have my 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 punch notes. I just wanted to 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 have a conversation on this one. So. Um, I don't know how your experience was growing up, mm-hmm. but for me personally, in the area of underage drinking, well, there's a couple of things. Um, I was never the the type of, I, I'm pretty sure that it happened in my school. It would be ignorant of me to think that no one in my class and in the grades around me never right. drank, uh, just because rural, small town, North Dakota and the excuse would always be, or at least we were told the excuse was always, well, what what else are you going to do? Right. Yeah. You know, what else are you going to do? My my experience was that in this general area is that I was never the kid, the teen, the young adult that got invited to those things. So same. I don't, <laughs> so I don't have firsthand knowledge but I do know how I felt about that topic in that um I was always I think for me alcohol and drug use and all of those sorts of things I was always so scared about what people might think about me 
Yeah. If they found out that I did that, especially when it got to be like eighth grade and up. Yeah. Because I was super involved with sad and I just, Mm -hmm. I was afraid of looking like a hypocrite. Yeah. You know, and I was, I was, there might've been a moment or two where I would have had the opportunity to at least be involved in, in some of that, especially if you're in sports in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe it was like, I was never really, I I stopped playing high school baseball in 10th grade because I, 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 I found that I was more interested in um, the other extracurriculars, FBLA, SAD, um, drama, the yearbook. So I, I didn't continue sports and I, I blew up my shoulder as well. So, I mean, that didn't help things, but anyway, going back to drinking, like there were obviously several times where I might've been invited into those situations. I just never was. And I know that I was never invited because I I would have said no and and they knew that right yeah because of my affiliation with with sad so mm-hmm. in a way it was kind of a being in sad at the time was a nice barrier because it yes. didn't even give me the opportunity to have to answer that question yes or no um but the other side of it is like the family side and I'm not I don't want to get into it too much because I don't want to talk too much about my family, but I I do remember distinly summertime uh, fires in the yard, in the backyard, and my dad would offer me a beer. Interesting. And I I wasn't, and and Mm. I always said no to that too. Yeah. I just, what for you? I was always so just scared of other people finding out and I would offer it to you yeah and then also one of the things that I've always been really big on even at a younger age is asking the question why yeah you know why would I do this what is in it for me and when you realize that, especially at a young age, it can only be negative. Yeah. Yes. There, I mean, when you get older, like I didn't have my first drink until my 21st birthday. Yeah. And I'll put that out there. And even when I got to be 21, I, I was never what anyone would probably consider a heavy drinker. And, but I, and, but there, there's a social aspect when you get older Mm-hmm. but even then it's like what's the point of this the only thing it's really doing is making me feel not the best version of not myself. yourself yeah and um it's not good on the wallet yeah so yes. even when you get older that there's still way more disadvantages than advantages when you when you when you drink so yeah um totally that's kind of my experience in this area. Um, yeah. I don't know if you had a similar experience or if you have other things that you wanted to share. Yeah. So, my, yeah, my experience is incredibly similar. I will say, too, I think, um, I don't know. It was like I was predetermined to not be part of the groups in my school that 
did drink. Like, it was very prevalent. Like, Peter and I both grew up small town, North Dakota, rural farming communities. Um, but it was, it was super prevalent. But I was never put in a position to be offered that, uh, to be offered drinks. I mean, like how Peter said, I was very connected to SAD. And there's just always, like, thought I'm sure that I would say no anyway or like or I'm sure people thought that I would even though I don't know looking back but like people I'm sure thought that I was like a risk to tell people about in case I were to like call the cops or something I don't think I would have but whatever um so it was never really an option for me and also because I had such a good group of friends that were not even remotely interested like we had such a good high school experience because we were focused on the activities that we were in just being like young girls having fun like I passed up going to a school event because the big time rush movie was coming out on Nickelodeon when I was like a junior or senior in high school like embarrassingly old (laughs) in high school to like turn something down because of something like that so I think just having really strong friends in school and then I had really strong friends from like a Bible camp that I had worked at and went to growing up, really strong friends, friendships from SAD. So mm-hmm. I never felt necessary, ne- never felt peer pressure because of the people that I associated myself with, which was really awesome. And I mean, I think that there maybe were what seemed like social consequences at the time because Like, I wasn't ever one of the, like, popular kids. I was never um, disliked or bullied or made fun of, but I was definitely never considered to be popular. But looking back as an adult, who cares? Like, it's it did not affect me. I mean, all those people that were considered popular, who weren't considered popular, if I bump into them when I'm back home, I still have a conversation with them. You know, I still have them on Facebook, smile, wave, whatever. It has no repercussions at this point in my life, but back then, not to me, because I had the social structure. If I didn't, it probably would have felt really sad and isolating, but being that I had people around me, it didn't. Um, I will say too, in terms of like the home situation, both of my parents have incredibly healthy relationships with alcohol. Hmm. And so my experiences with them were like, with alcohol were my parents having maybe like one drink around me sometimes or like my dad was a farmer and so during harvest or planting he'd have a beer at the end of the day and that was it and he'd be watching the twins game or watching a basketball game having a beer or having beer with supper um or like I would witness them have one maybe two drinks when we were out to dinner with friends um like at a restaurant or something like my parents weren't the going out partying type. They had a lot of friends. They had a lot of social groups and things like that, but I never witnessed them get intoxicated. And if they did, it was like a weekend when they were away from me. Like if my mom had a girl's weekend or whatever, something like that. I never heard about it. I never saw it. it. It wasn't something that ever happened in my life, which I'm very grateful for. And I don't know if they intentionally did that. I mean, that was just part of who they are. They had really healthy relationships with, or ha- continue to have healthy relationships with alcohol. And I do think that you're a product of your environment. And this kind of brings me to a new point um, that I didn't know I was going to bring up. But I think, and 
in terms of teens and their relationships with alcohol and drinking and everything like that, especially within the context of the sad club or sad groups chapters, there was a lot of talk when I was in high school about fully knowing that some of the members of our chapter drank, but they were still in sad. And I remember back then thinking like, how hypocritical, like how dare they drink and still come to these meetings or put it on their college applications. But now looking back, especially now that I work for an organization that really emphasizes recovery from addiction or recovery in general, maybe they genuinely needed help. Maybe they just did it because they didn't have the tools to process not doing it, you know? Um, So it's just really interesting all the ways people um, would manage it as high schoolers and teenagers and how they process that. I kind of went all over the place, but I'm interested (laughs) in hearing your thoughts. Yeah, no. And before we got on here, we've kind of talked about some ideas for some upcoming episodes. And Mm -hmm. I think that what you brought up kind of ties into that whole iceberg theory, the iceberg concept where you, the, the, the top, you only really see that top 10%. Of, of an iceberg the other 90 percent is under the water yeah. in, in the same way like you can never know what's really going on with yes. the people around you yes. you only get to see that that 10 percent that they'll they'll let you see yes um so yeah no that makes sense that different people are going to interact with things in different ways based on life experiences and what mm-hmm. they witnessed and what they know Yes. So it it yeah it makes perfect sense that um, people might people like your example people in sad would still drink but they how are they gonna know how to deal if they're going through it, things yeah how how are they gonna know how to deal with it exactly if they're if, not given the tools yes exactly and I thinking about it now too, like from the perspective of a parent, there are so many and not so much, I would say within the last year, I have seen so many people who have not necessarily turned from turned away from drinking, but like when we're like mocktails, like when you go out to eat Peter, especially in Fargo, there's like 10 mocktail options on menus at restaurants now. Right. Or like drinks that like fun drinks because sometimes it, it is truly just about having a fun beverage that isn't water or pop like I know that sounds insane but like sometimes you just want to have a fun little thing yeah. when you're, especially when you're going out to eat um and some and until literally probably in the last year I haven't seen so many non-alcoholic options which I love um but there are so since becoming a parent there is so many there's so much targeting there's a there's an image that I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to think of how to describe it or in instances that I've seen it. But wine mom, like moms and wine. Like in order to be a mom, you need to have wine and you need to have a drink at the end of the day to process your stress. So thinking like that was somebody like, why are people drinking like this? Well, if their parent was coming home from work at the day, like don't talk to me till I have my beer or wine or whatever they're naturally going to gravitate towards that because if they're going through something, which even if you don't have massive trauma going through high school or going through elementary school, whatever, there's still a lot, like 
there's a lot that goes on, lots of changes, hormonal changes. And you see if your parents are processing or need to process or need to unwind with liquor, that's how you're going to gravitate towards as well. And especially, and I don't know, I, I have some people in my life who have children that are in high school um, that allow their children to drink because they did. And that's, they think that's normal. Like, well, I did and nothing happened to me or like, it's fine. It's fine if they're at home. It's fine if they're with these people. So I don't, there's, there's a lot of like just rigid mentalities that are slowly like that um, or, or like associating wine with moms and how that's like a codependent relationship or um, through things like having just mocktails at restaurants and alternative options, I feel like those things are slowly being chipped away at. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's kind of, that's kind of a trend, though, in a lot of areas, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Where where, mm-hmm. where things are kind of being chipped away and people are starting to, like, it would be, one of the thoughts that I had a little while ago was, it would be interesting to have someone on the podcast that was on the other side because I would love to hear yeah. the stories of what goes on. Yes. Or what and I would love to know if if we if we have any of our younger people listening to this right now, I would love to know is this still a thing? Like yeah. Or is is underage drinking I would love to, again, man, there's a lot of things that I'd love to do right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would love to look at the statistics to mm-hmm. see if it's as prevalent now as it was when we were in high school. Mm-hmm. And I would love to have a conversation with someone who was on the other side, who was popular in that way, who was invited to those parties, who did partake in that. Just mm-hmm. just to get the other, not to ridic- ridicule, shame, but just little, gain perspective. But just gain perspective on what the motivation was. Yes. Um, what the reasoning was, and just find out a little bit more about that the the culture of that. It just it, it kind of fascinates me thinking about how I I grew up. I was in a class of twenty four, and it's even in a small class of twenty four. It's so interesting to think of how each person was still distinctly different from each yes. other. Yes. Um, and we all grew up in small town, North Dakota, where like your town had 200 people in it. Everyone yes. knew everyone. And by the time you got to be in high school and in the senior year, everyone was sick of each other. I, I still yes. remember, um, I feel like for prom season, a lot of people went to prom with either people outside of their class or outside of our own school just cool. because we all knew each other too well or we were yeah. all sick of each other by then. So we didn't even want to. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, no, speaking of prom, I, did, I don't know. That kind of ties into things too a little bit. Like that's there, there's a culture of drinking around prom as well. So just make sure yeah. that you're... Um, I guess I I guess my big takeaway on this topic is and this might be my thought of the day. We haven't done a thought of the day in a while, but this might be my thought of the day. 
always be asking yourself the question why yes and don't be afraid to like push back because yeah. i feel like i don't know if it, i'm sure a lot of people who have said this but like lee erickson specifically always made sure to point out like it feels like everyone is doing it but not everyone is doing it right you know like I, it doesn't it's it seems like everyone is drinking it seems like everyone's smoking everyone's partying everybody it's they're not right. um so don't feel like it can be if you're in a place where it seems isolating or you're othering yourself by not participating you're not the only one. And I think that if you were to be in a position where you had to stand up for yourself and actively say no, other people would either join you physically or later on mentally in where you stand. So don't feel like you ever have to do it if you don't want to. Right. Because this is only a temporary season of your life. Someday when you go to college, I also didn't drink through college too. Like Peter was saying, you didn't drink until your 21st birthday. Me too. Um, and I still found ample people to hang out with that weren't interested in underage drinking. Yeah. So you will always find your people. And I feel like now more than ever, like with the internet, with how many options there are to like find outlets, it's easier than it ever was. Yeah. Be safe about it, obviously. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely 100% agree with you on that. I, I feel like, social media has made things it's made things complicated in some ways but it's made mm -hmm. other things easier and that like you said you can find your people a lot easier mm -hmm. with with social media the way that it is today we, where back in the day <laughs> back in the day where back in the day we had to we went to conferences and we went to sporting events and we went to um different activities in order to we had to actually meet people physically in order to meet new people right where you don't need to do that anymore necessarily like yeah. i i was i was this is another thing i was thinking about in in sort of quote unquote preparing for this podcast is like if underage drinking isn't the big thing anymore what are the big things so like and and the one thing that came to mind is was and while we're going we are going all over the place on this one today um the one thing that i thought about that popped up more than anything else was social media and comparison mm-hmm and how peer pressure plays into that and how peer pressure can play into that both positively and negatively. Mm -hmm. Like, just like there, just like we talked about with stress a while back, there's distress and eustress. There's good and bad stress. There's also good and bad peer pressure. Yes. You can, peer pressure can be used to influence you in negative ways. And there's peer pressure that can be used to, to, to affect you or other people in positive ways mm -hmm. and I, I think that that's where being in sad kind of that that positive peer pressure and that camaraderie that you felt I don't know I was going to ask you because I wanted to talk about this topic again um, we talked about it a couple of, of episodes ago but um, 
the the NLAB, the Northern Lights Advisory Board. Yeah. Um. So one of the things that I want to get started again in the next year is our NLAB, um, mm-hmm. because it's so important to have that base of students that can help you, help guide you in the direction that you need to go. I, I remember mm-hmm. when I was... Back in the day when I was on it, it wasn't the NLAB yet. It was just the North Dakota Sad State Advisory Board. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was so much positive peer pressure because everyone was on the same page as you. Everyone was pushing each other to, to strive and thrive and make good decisions and be good role models for other people. But mm-hmm. we also, we planned conferences, we planned curriculum and programming, we we did all these sorts of things. We spread awareness on the different topics. Um, and what I want to do is rebuild that so that way we have that guiding motivation from our, our young people again. So if you're a young person listening to this podcast and you want to be a part of that, email us at info at nlpulse.com or get a hold of us through our contact page or our social media because we're looking for people like you to um, to be a part of that. I don't know. What was your experience on NLAB? Yeah, like the being on N, on the NLAB was is probably the most important thing I've ever done for myself in my life. Like that sounds really dramatic, but it it is true. I it gave me so much confidence. I remember choosing to. I remember seeing the NLAB the year before the year before I decided to run, I was like, I want to do that. That looks really scary. Like, I can't believe I would put myself in that position, but I'm going to do that. And it was, again, the best decision I have ever made for myself in my life because it um, introduced me to so many very important people who are still very important in my life. Um, it helped me build confidence. Um, it helped me build my voice professionally. I don't think I would be, I don't know what my career would look like had I not had it. Like it changed my life in, a, in instrumental ways, um, being part of that group um, and having other people who I knew were making similar choices and people across the state, across the three states who were incredible friends, who were also going through the similar things that I was going through. Um, I couldn't say enough good things about it. It was the absolute best experience of my life, the two years that I was able to be on NLAB. So yeah, bring it back, do it <laughs> if you're listening. Like it literally will, It I wouldn't have the career I have now had I not done that. So Me either. Like I wouldn't yeah. be doing what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Because if I wasn't part of SAD, I wouldn't have met Lee Erickson and he wouldn't mm-hmm. have been able to be my mentor over all these years and mm-hmm. put me in a place to work with him. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I just think about all like you, Peter, uh, like how much positive change has been put forth into the world because of um, people who are on NLAB and just even thinking about people that I would like I serve with, like so many attorneys doctors um there are people who are currently or were in the north dakota legislature um who have or working um 
for the North Dakota legislature, the state of North Dakota, um, working in DC, like across in across the country, um, leading nonprofits, working in nonprofits, teaching, like it's in, I wish that we could go and do like an alumni spotlight for everybody who has been part of it because it is just insane how how much good has been put into the world and into people because they chose to be part of the MLAB and because it existed. Um, and you'll that, find lifelong friends, seriously. I'm I'm going to write that down. Yeah. Do an alumni spotlight on the NL Pulse website. That's a great idea. Th yeah, it is a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that one. <laughs> yeah, no, but like, seriously, there, there are so many incredible people doing incredible things and I know that they would credit that experience of being on the NLAB as kind of a catalyst to not be afraid to be a positive voice and a positive change yeah. um in their communities great yeah no I 100% agree um I'm so when I look back on my time in high school what my fondest memory is sad conferences, um, sad nationals, and just being a part of that group, that advisory board. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it definitely changed me into the person that I am today. It's one of the driving forces behind it. So, like I said, get a hold of us if you want to be a part of that um, moving forward. I want to do that partially because I want to have a car conferences again. COVID put a wrench into a lot of things that we were doing yeah. in the past. And and the NLAB is one of them and conferences are the other. We used to have conferences with hundreds of kids around the tri-state area. We haven't been able to do a conference since 2019, I think was the last one. Mm -hmm. So we're four years due for another mm -hmm. one. So if you want to be a part of planning that, get on board and we will be waiting for your email to get on board. Yes. I think I'm going to leave it at that for the day. Sounds um, good. Thought of the day. My thought of the day. I always ask the question why. Uh-huh. Yep. Perfect. Yep. With that, my name is Peter. And I'm Rachel. And thank you for listening to the Northern Lights Post podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye.